You're now locked into Zone 32. Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. NZI Properties. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Zone 32 podcast. This is Jake here with the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Grant Durflinger. Say hello to the people. What it do? Bring your friends. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we're back. We took last week off. Our bad. But you know... We're back with a new installment with some good news. The Ravens are in the playoffs. They did what they needed to do. They beat the Giants convincingly, and then they, they farted around and went off for 400 yards on the ground against the Bengals to make it five in a row and win the, and win in the fifth seed in the playoffs. So, Grant, I'm going to start with you. Give me your thoughts on not just the game, but the Ravens over the past five games. Do what they had to do. I mean, you know, everybody talked about the whole, you know, strength of schedule wasn't really all that. And, you know, they're playing, you know, this and this. Okay, well, okay, they just played them at the end of the season. Those other teams, you know, played them at the beginning of the season. So they're on your schedule. They're on your schedule. But the Ravens did what they had to do. They finished business. They're on a run. They're high confidence right now. They just ran for 404 yards, which if Lamar didn't come out of the game at the beginning of the fourth, they might have ran for 500. So, I mean, like, you know, they did what they had to do. You know, I mean, that's really all I have to really say on that side of it just because, you know, they expected to win, but you want to win convincing. You know, you could have rested the starters at halftime in most of the games, you know, that they were in. Um, the real turning around game was that Browns game. That was like the, the adversity moment. You know, they've been kind of facing adversity all year, but that was like the moment that Ravens climbed that mountain, you know, won that close game, that tough game, that, you know, playoff team matchup atmosphere. So, I mean, I think I think that they're going in high-spirited, high and I think that unlike last year where they were kind of, you know, the team to beat, the, you know, the darling child of the NFL, which, you know, none of us as Ravens fans really enjoyed because we like being the underdogs. We like being the scrappy bunch. You know, we don't want anybody to like us realistically. So, I mean, it was a different thing, but I think we're coming back in with that mindset like that. You know, it's cliche, but, you know, the us against the world mindset, some teams can have it, some teams can't and say they can. But I think that we're a dangerous team when we have that us against the world mindset. I like how you said that. I like how you mentioned they're a dangerous team because they are a dangerous team. Let's keep even real. Battle-tested teams are the ones you really want to watch out for in the playoffs. So let's think about it. Back in 2012, it's not fair to compare the two because that Ravens team limped into the playoffs and just kind of got in by like by the skin of their teeth. Kind of like Pittsburgh this year to keep it real. But you know, with everything that they went through that year, I mean, it's different, but now compared to what you had to go through this year with all the COVID stuff, players getting hurt, missing key, missing key players in key games, going through the, the, the losing streak against, actually losing three or four against the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Titans, and people essentially riding you off at six and five, they ride back, they come in on a five-game win streak to make, to make the playoffs and they controlled their own destiny after the jets beat the browns they controlled their own destiny and they're they're playing much better lamar jackson's yards per attempt are up at a much higher rate than they were earlier in the year receivers are making plays not always but much better than it was before they're running the ball like nobody's business like i want to say from cow from the cowboys they ran for almost 300 against them they ran for 230 against the browns a buck 50 as a team against the jags 
240 or so against the Giants. And this past weekend, 400. You've almost got 1,400 rushing yards as a team in five games. That's incredible. So this is a team AFC teams don't really want to play right now in the playoffs. So you got to give your hats off to them. The defense is playing better too. They're on, like through these five games, they've they're only given up 17 points. And quite frankly, that'd be even lower if we didn't count that Browns game. But you know, we have to. That's the reality of the situation. But they're they're playing at a very good level. The pass rush came to life for two of the past three weeks. So that's encouraging. I mean, it's still a little inconsistent, but you know, the defense is getting healthy and with players coming back, look out. Let's go. Yeah, and I mean, I think a big part of that too. And like with the running game that you're mentioning is we got an offensive line that's gelling together and it's is semi-stable now. You know, it's not a, a carousel of big guys, everybody trying to play center, everybody trying to play guard. Um, you know, I know that Ronnie Stanley in, uh, injury threw a kind of wrench in that. But, you know, I, I think that the way the offensive line's playing right now is 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 really what's turning everything around. And like you said, you know, it's we're that team that nobody wants to see in the playoffs because you know, a team that's going to smack you in the mouth, play great defense, and isn't going to make many mistakes, and then has a field goal kicker that's the greatest in NFL history. That's a recipe for a successful team in January and February. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of good things going for this organization. And, you know, past experiences help too. I mean, there's not – we've been there. We've been to the playoffs and lost two years in a row. Harbaugh's won a Super Bowl. Harbaugh's gone to AFC Championship games and gotten, you know, beaten or had, you know, heartbreaking losses to miss field goals or drop touchdown passes. You know, we Ravens are battle-tested, coaching staff and all. And I think when you have a team with as much confidence and as much, you know, gelling ability that this team has – I mean, the sky's the limit, and I'm not saying it as a biased standpoint as a fan, but, I mean, when you look at it as a football fan from the outside in, this team is 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 dangerous, man. It, I mean, they, they really can cause some problems, and especially if, you know, there's some shocks on the other side. Like, we joked about it before, but, I mean, you got the Browns and Colts somehow win, which they're fully capable of winning those games. Then you got the Ravens hosting a second-round playoff game to go face the winner of the Colts-Chiefs game. So it's like, you know, there's there's all kinds of avenues that, that I don't think any AFC team wants to really see them, including the Chiefs. I love that bold take. I'm not ready to go in that just yet, but you know, I like it. I like it a lot. But but either way, the offensive line seemed to have been solidified as soon as they put Ben Powers in their right guard. The run blocking got a whole hell of a lot better. And then with a healthy McCarry handling snaps and not throwing up some ducks like old mascara was when he was starting the off you're right you're absolutely right the offensive line really has gelled me right tackle still an issue but you know it honestly it could be worse like you, you could have someone worse maybe james Hurst from 20 yeah and i mean he fits though fluker's a mauler you know he's a terrible pass blocker but if we're gonna be pounding the rock you know we'll sacrifice some pass plays if he's gonna be the guy that's gonna set the edge on the on the right side of the run game too exactly and with that in mind let's get into it Sunday, Sunday, 105 Eastern Standard Time, 10.05 Pacific Standard Time for those of you who live on the West Coast like I do. The Ravens travel to Nashville to Nissan Stadium to take on the Tennessee Titans. So, Grant, give me some thoughts on this game. Let's boogie, man. Let's boogie. This is what we wanted. Last year's playoff game, I don't know about you or any other Ravens fans, but this is what I wanted. I wanted to somehow see them again 
and I wanted to show them exactly what Ravens football is because that was not Ravens football the last time we played them. We clearly overlooked them for the Chiefs, and that's – I don't care what anybody says, what coaching – anybody says on that standpoint. We got comfortable, and we got cute, and we got our we got smacked in the mouth. So, I mean, I don't think that's the case this year. I think that they're looking to spoil a party. And the way that the Titans defense is playing right now, their front seven is atrocious. So, I mean, if the way we're running the rock right now, Baltimore's going to be able to put some pressure on the back end too. Because, I mean, they have a pretty good secondary. But at the end of the day, I mean, the way that the receivers are playing with confidence, you know, this Des on coming in the red zone is exactly what we needed. Des on coming in the red zone has produced Miles Boykin to start playing out of his mind and making plays. So, I mean, it, it, everybody's getting involved. Everybody's getting confidence. You know, we're getting the Jets to Duvernay. He's getting first downs. They're going to st- they need to start getting the ball to him in the short passing game too. But I, I think that there's just so much that's gelling right now that, you know, maybe I am just saying it as a Ravens fan, but there's just so much gelling right now that I think the Titans are in, they're in trouble, man. They're in trouble. And, and I want to do nothing more than to walk in their house and embarrass them way more than they did us because – we know for a fact that, you know, I know we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but, you know, Brandon Williams and those guys were brought in for this moment in this game. And we didn't have them the first time that we played them this year. And we blew how many leads in that game? And they came back to take it to overtime and only to win on the, you know, set what, second or third play of overtime. And it's like, man, that, that completely, we should have won by two scores. The Ravens should have won by two scores that game. And just gave it away. But that was kind of the turning point is when things started to shift a little bit. And I think that the players wanted this, whether they say it or not. And I think the coaches wanted this. And this is a chance for the city to turn around and completely right their wrongs against a team that went into their house and completely stole all their pots and pans and just left. Without a doubt, you hit the nail on the head with Miles Boykin playing at a higher level since Dez got here. You're absolutely right, and you're, and absolutely the moves that were made this offseason, bringing in a Calais Campbell from Jacksonville, signing a Derek Wolf to a one-year deal, drafting a Patrick Queen and a Malik Harrison within the first three rounds, and a Justin Matter BK as well. These moves were made to to never be punked again the way we were last January on a Saturday night by the Tennessee Titans. Well, and the the second guy you mentioned there, Malik Harrison, I think this is. I think he's our he's our our whole plugging thumper. I think his matchup is going to be Derrick Henry, and don't be surprised if he doesn't make a few pops on Derrick Henry in the hole and, and give himself some confidence too. I think he's starting to come on a little bit. Love him on special teams, but this is a game that he was drafted for as well to that run plug. Absolutely, it's mandatory too because you have to set the tone against a physical offense the way the Tennessee Titans have. Their defense has been bad this year overall. Their front seven hasn't gone after the quarterback consistently at all, especially with Clowney being hurt most of the year. They let go of Jarrell Casey, and he gets hurt in Denver. So Beasley, too. Yeah, be- well, Beasley, yeah, he, he's, he's they let him go. Yeah, of course, he, he was kind of trash anyway. Let's, let's keep it real about that. Yeah, he, he was good in Atlanta for the one year, and then he disappeared. So. And see, the Titans line isn't that great, but Tannehill gets the ball out so fast. And his athleticism is very underrated. So, like, when I watch him play, too, you know, I have a huge man crush on A.J. Brown, of course, and, and Corey Davis, both of them, actually, which outside of the obvious of Allen Robinson, I want Corey Davis in purple and black next year really bad. He's my, my number two on the list. But 
I just think that those guys, man, they, they could give us problems. We got the two best corners or, you know, the best corner tandem in the league, but those guys can cause issues and they make big plays. They make plays on the field. I mean, Titans should have lost the Texans. And then you got Tannehill just chucking one down the middle of the field and AJ Brown makes an unbelievable over the shoulder catch in front of full speed with a guy on his back, like a backpack. And like, it's like, man, you see stuff like that, and it's like, man, where do, where's that for us, dude? Like, we, and that's where, you know, Ravens fans are like, here comes the receiver talk. Of course. And, AJ, and you're absolutely right. AJ Brown is a physical, physical receiver. You saw that at the end of the game when he was just breaking tackles and made that touch and scored that touchdown to tie up like earlier in the year. He's a yeah, very the first good receiver. Up. Yeah. Yep. He's a very good receiver. And at the end of the game, if you're having to, constantly tackle Derrick Henry and AJ Brown, you're gonna tire out because they're both bigger players. I think Brown's what six one, two twenty, two thirty, something along those oh, yeah. lines. He's rock, he's rocked up. And, and they had two, I mean you gotta think uh the other side of it is you know when you look at that team when they played us last playoffs, it wasn't just that they were physically dominating us. I mean they physically started dominating dominating us in the second half when they were already up and we were trying to play catch up. But they were pulling every trick play. So that stuff's not going to happen, too. That's the thing we got to look at. They hit us with stuff that was unexpected. I mean, the Derrick Henry pop pass, um, you know, that type of stuff that they were pulling out. That those, those things are just – I feel like the Ravens are the only team that those work against. But the double passes, the reverse passes, that stuff, they eat us up. And then you have Marlon Humphrey getting absolutely smoked for a touchdown that you never see by a completely no-name turd. So it's like – you know, what What? What was going on that game, man? <laughs> All across the board. Oh, man, I could tell you my experience that day. Before I went to Elk Grove to meet up with my uncle, well, I was cussing and yelling, and I had people afraid of me in my apartment that day after that Khalif Raymond touchdown. That's it, right? Khalif Raymond. I forgot his name. Yes, and then the one-handed touchdown from Johnny Smith. I still didn't think he caught it, but you know, me neither. Well, what, can, what can you do? That is what me it is. That, that catch was stupid. But yeah, it's, it was things like that. As soon as they hopped out to a lead, there's nothing you could do because once you get a lead, Derek, you ain't stopping Derek Henry consistently because then they're just gonna grind you and milk the clock. That game had me drink a bottle and a half of Screwball. Shout out Screwball, and I hated the world. <laughs> I was so mad. I was a bottle and a half deep. This is not happening, but I'm excited for this weekend. Um, thinking about making the trip, but I mean that. I mean, I, th- I just think that I think we go down. I I can see us winning by two scores. There's a point to be made this weekend, and you know the Titans are going to be ready. They're a great team. Vrabel, he's a kind of a douche nugget, but you know he 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 coaches to win, man, and he's he's savvy. He's he's a you know Bill Belichick protege. He's savvy. So, I mean, you know, it's not going to be a cakewalk, but I do think that we end up winning by two scores. Without a doubt. And I think that's kind of the formula for the game is you get up on them early and you force Tannehill to have to beat you without the threat of a play-action passing game. We saw that earlier against the pa- the Packers a couple weeks ago. Once they couldn't run the ball and they had to play catch-up from being down two or three scores, it wasn't good. It was not a good day for, if that, for that defense, for that team, for that offense. It was... Yeah. Yeah, they got they wanted getting smoked. So to well, me, well, the first time we played them this year, didn't he only have like something like thirty yards at halftime or something? Derrick Henry, and then oh, he yeah. kind of went off in the second. I mean, he really only had three big runs. He had the overtime run, 
that was what 40 yards, 30 some yards, 40 yards, something like that. Then he had, I think, like another 30 yard run, and I think he had like a 15 or 20 yard run. But outside of that, I mean, he was pretty much shut down for the most part. He just, I think he had what 30 some carries. Yes, he did. He he didn't get it off until like the beginning of the fourth quarter because that front seven was playing real aggressive and stopping him and stopping the run game. They were not With no plays Campbell and no Brandon Williams. They were not going to let him beat you, beat us. Which brings me to another point of that too. Like with this whole, like you said, you know, these guys were brought in, the guys drafted and all that. With those guys kind of being out recently, the younger, like Justin Ellis, has been playing well. You know, Matabuke has been playing well. You know, those guys are really showing up and they're having that confidence so that when we get into the playoffs, you got your main guys in there, you know, everybody's healthy. But when you need those rotational guys to come in, they're not coming in shook. They're coming in ready to cook. And I meant to rhyme that too, by the way. See, because ain't no such thing as a halfway crook. I see you on that. But yeah, I think as far as the prediction goes, I mean, yeah, I'm going to be a homer and you can call me biased. I don't care. This is a Ravens podcast that dabbles in with a little bit of the NFL talk anyway. But yeah, I think the Ravens win this game. I think it's going to be hard fought. I think it's the most competitive of all seven, all six of the wild card matchups this weekend. Yeah, I think they get it done and they move on to play Kansas City next week. But anyway, with all that talk, let's move on to some news. The Browns are going through a COVID issue as released today. Kevin Stefanski, their offensive line coach Bill Callahan, and a couple of, of other assistant coaches have all tested positive for COVID, and a couple players have too, which includes wide receiver Kadero Hodge, a guy who's essentially a depth piece, and then they're all pro. Oh, well, he might not be you know, their Pro Bowl guard, Joel Batonio. They've all tested positive for COVID and look like they're going to miss Sunday's Sunday night's game against Pittsburgh. So I'm going to go to you, Grant. Do the Browns, even with a skeleton crew, have a shot at beating the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field? I think, yeah. I mean, Steelers aren't a good football team. Uh, I mean, I guess I can say that loosely because they quite a few games and did win the division, but they're not a good football team. And the Browns, depending what Browns team shows up, the crazy thing is, is and I, I mentioned it before we got on the show, is I don't think that that Browns team that we saw on Sunday play the Steelers because they knew that Mason Rudolph was going to be in the game. I don't think they were really letting a lot out, and I think they were being really conservative, you know, trying to establish the run game a little bit more and not really cutting a lot loose. And But I think that that whole offensive game plan is going to shift like a complete 180 this weekend. And the Steelers have not played well. Bang, it, the game is going to come down to the Bears defense – or Bears, the Browns defense or Baker Mayfield. So, it, like, that's the thing. Is it? I mean, I know it's kind of a you know a broad thing to say, but you know what defense is going to show up? Are they going to get to Ben Roethlisberger? You know, Ben Roethlisberger, the dude's cooking with a wet noodle right now, and like it's he's not looking good. You know, receivers they made a big deal about Deontay Johnson making catches on Sunday. Ooh, congratulations! He didn't drop four passes in the game. That's awesome. But like, you know, Ben's having trouble getting the ball out. They're not running the ball. I've never seen a Steelers team not be able to run the ball, and this team is probably one of the worst running teams in the league. I think I saw a stat earlier that um, what was it? Ravens have had more rushing yards in the past like four or five weeks between Dobbins, Gus, and Lamar than the Steelers have had the entire season or something. So, I mean, like, they're, they're not running the ball, so they're not going to scare you there. So you're able to spread it out and kind of play sideline to sideline with your athletic linebackers. You know, Mac Wilson's a pretty athletic linebacker. Doesn't play smart sometimes, but he he's a hitter. Um, he's in the right place at, at times. But I think that the Browns, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they won. Um, and I'm not saying that just because, you know, 
fuck the Steelers. But I, I think that, you know, they're a team that's kind of hungry too. You know, like I mentioned with the Ravens stuff, man, they, they, they're kind of a hungry team. You know, it's their first time there. They're either going to be like that, you know, that team that's going to come in and just completely shit the bed. But I just – I think the Steelers are just too much of a mess. They don't really have – they don't have an offensive identity. They don't have clutch defensive play. Minko Fitzpatrick is really the only person that makes any plays. And, you know, you can scheme away from him, you know, especially with that offense. I mean, they've got playmakers, you know. Um, Hooper's been playing well, you know. And I'm a big Njoku fan, as we all know. Like, uh, you know, I think that Higgins is playing well. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, who was a guy that I really liked in the draft, he's really been coming along the past few weeks. And then, of course, you got Landry. So, I mean, you know, the Browns' weapons outmatch the Steelers' defensive stops. And the fact that the Steelers aren't a really good defensive team right now um, outside of, J- or outside of uh, you know, Watt, but – you know, it's it's hard to tell, but I'm I'm taking the Browns this week. Long story short. <laughs> nah, I say that's a gutsy call and I like it. Well, to your point, I think the key for Cleveland to win this game is to pound the rock. I mean, the pat for the past few weeks, Pittsburgh has given up over a hundred yards on the ground to opposing offenses. They've won one of those three games. And mind you, last week they gave up 192 to the Browns, though they didn't start TJ Watt or Cam Hayward or some other like T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, or Ben Roethlisberger. So I get the idea of maybe they're just not really trying. Not necessarily. No, no, that's not the right word, but maybe they were just kind of resting and just preparing for this week. Yeah, like a really vanilla offensive scheme. Like that wasn't the scheme that we – that's not even close to the scheme we had against the Ravens. Like their whole identity was different. But, you know, I mean, like to your point too, like with Chubb, I mean, it's a hot take for me, but it's my personal opinion. But I think Nick Chubb is better than Derrick Henry as far as an overall running back and more of like a consistent running back. He's harder to stop, believe it or not, in my opinion, because he does a lot more within the offense. He doesn't just run zone outside. He can do a whole lot more. And, and I mean, I think Nick Chubb is severely underrated. I mean, he gets a lot of credit, but I still think he's underrated. He's a he's a hell of a back. And I, I – to your point, I think they need to ride him out if they want to win that game too. Without a doubt, that's that is mandatory for them because since Bud Dupree went down for the year and they've their linebackers started going down, like Devin Bush and Vince Williams is out for a bit. So then they had to make the trade for Avery Williamson just to kind of shore up that linebacker core, which is still a little shaky now without Devin Dupree. They've been getting beaten. They've been they've been getting beaten on the ground by other offenses and. It took a few shaky calls by officials to beat the Philip Rivers-led Indianapolis Colts, all things considered. I mean, it's conceivable. I could see Cleveland doing it. I'm not ready to pick them just because I'm going to refer refer back to the nature boy, Ric Flair. (laughs) Beat the man. Whoa! Beat the man. And at this point, the Browns are the little brother to the Baltimore Ravens and Pittsburgh Steelers. They have yet to beat either of those two teams in a in an important game with everything on the line. Last week was important for Cleveland. Pittsburgh didn't take it as seriously because they didn't want the number two seed. I think that's a mistake, but that's just my own personal opinion. The Steelers. Well, to your point too, on you know the Steelers' run defense, Giovanni Bernard absolutely cooked them. <laughs> like serve them up on a platter. <laughs> 150 yards rushing to the Cincinnati Bengals, who have a shaky offensive line to begin with, anyhow. So well, they had fucking uh, 
what's his face at quarterback? Ryan Finley at quarterback. Like, you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. There's no reason there should not have been nine in the box with Ryan Finley at quarterback. And, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they, they did the damn thing. They walked in and took what, the, <laughs> took what they wanted. Straight up, that was one absolutely. They got punked and were beaten by them by a more physical team that day. And what the Steelers have like eighty yards rushing in, against that team, and we ran for four hundred and four against. Yeah, exactly. Like that's actually let's let's take a look to see how take a gander. And I'm gonna be honest with you because I don't think I think Benny Snell had a couple runs. He might have scored a short touchdown too. They did. They broke eight. They they garnered eighty six yards rushing as a dang. Team. I was close. All right. Well, they didn't break ninety. So <laughs> yeah, average three point seven yards per carry. Funny enough, the same as the Cincinnati Bengals, but the Bengals ran it more. Yeah. And they and with Ben under center, their yards per attempt were four point one. Four point one yards per attempt this year. His completion percentage has to be ridiculously low this. Year. He actually has sixty five point six percent. See, I would have thought like 62. I would have thought like 61, 62. Because every game I watch, he's off like big time. He's just a bit off. But that being said, he takes so many checkdowns because, I mean, he I believe he leads the league in, in passing attempts. And Are you telling me that he's Ben Flacco? Yes. This year, he <laughs> or, or Derek Carr for the past couple of years. Yeah, dude. He, he has been a checkdown Charlie because Pittsburgh is petrified of him getting hit and getting a hurt back there. That's part of why they run the offense the way they do. They are petrified of him getting hurt with his old body and him not being able to play the rest of the way and them having to rely on Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges in a must-win game. So complete, like, sidetrack, squirrel brain. Do the Steelers go quarterback this in the draft? I think they do everything possible to get on the line with Joe Douglas, see if they're willing to part ways with Sam Darnold. Yeah, I, that's I, a yeah. They go. They but, I mean, this draft has, what, six quarterbacks that are first round argued. I mean, you got – because you got, of course, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, uh, Kyle Trask, and uh, uh, Trey Lance, and uh, what's – how a brain fart? Alabama. Um, Mac Jones. Mac Jones. I kept wanting to say Mac Wilson for some reason. Uh, Mac Jones. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you got you got six. You got those six. Steelers are probably going to see. I don't know if anybody's going to be around, but I mean, they and who knows what their draft capital looks like because they did they sold the farm for Devin Bush, which you know, like you had mentioned before, you know, him being out's huge. I think you know, I give respect from respects due. That dude is an animal. Like his whole mindset, the way he controls the defense from the middle of the field, plays sideline to sideline. When you're missing somebody like that, that's a huge deal. That dude is a freak, without question. He's that. He's the he's the replacement for Ryan Shazier because they were missing that dynamic dude in the in the front seven in the field. And when he went down, had the career-ending injury, their front seven and their run defense, like their defense overall, became a little shakier. Oh, dude, it was awful. I mean, that's the only reason you trade up that much to get a you know a stud gen you know a stud running back or I mean linebacker because like when Shazier when that happened I mean Shazier was a dude Shazier's a stud you know I feel so bad for that guy because he had such a career such a good guy and like you know but he he was a beast man and like when he went down their entire no matter what stars they had on that team when he went down that entire defense changed completely and I think that's why they kind of sold the farm to get Devin Bush because I mean I watched Devin Bush at Michigan Man, that dude, he's like a little pit bull. He's like undersized as hell, 
But, man, he's not afraid of anybody. He's like Bob Sanders from the middle linebacker spot. Almost definitely. I remember when I think it was against Michigan State where he went to the logo and just started wiping his feet on their 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 midfield logo, if I remember right. Oh yeah, he got a bunch of divots in there. He didn't even bring his he didn't even bring his nine iron to help. That's yeah, he is exact he was exactly what they need that defense and they're missing. I mean Spillane's played okay for them with Bush being out, but it's not even close to being the same. That that's just that's the reality of the situation. Now anyway. slide on to another matchup too. So do the Colts stand a chance against the Bills? Yes, absolutely they do. Don't sleep on that defense. Don't sleep on that front four. They don't need to blitz you in order to get after you. And you have DeForest Buckner, who is a Pro Bowl snub. I love me some Calais Campbell, and he did get somebody fired in Philly and got him cut after getting that three those three sacks against them. But DeForest Buckner's a beast, and the Niners were missing him after trading him here. I don't know how he didn't make the Pro Bowl. He's a generational talent, and he is worth every penny. He might not be Aaron Donald, but he's not paid like Aaron Donald either. He's making, I think, a million or two dollars fewer than Donald is, but he's damn worth it because that like Colts six eight. <laughs> yes. And funny enough, his comp coming out of college was Calais Campbell. So I mean, that that dude is a beast, though. Him, Justin Houston, Denico. Actually, I think Denico Autre is still on that defense. I could be wrong, but Grover Stewart has played well enough to earn a contract extension. Their front's playing great. Their linebackers are playing really well. Anthony sure, Walker. They, they got the man of the. They got the man of the league anyway. The maniac is what they call him. I still think it's a corny ass nickname, but you know I can't knock his, his game because he is fan freaking tastic. When I went to Lucas Oil Stadium this year, he was making every play. Both he and Bobby, both of them were making all the plays in the backfield and along along the five to ten yard mark. They're making damn near every tackle. So don't sleep it's on the little things too. Like when you watch like the intricacies of the game and you watch like the like you watch him play like through a full game or like if like on like NFL 22 or anything, like the things he does when he's even not making a tackle is like he's putting everybody everywhere. That dude is like his and his like his demeanor, like people just are kind of drawn to him. But that guy, that guy's a problem. And, I mean, I love Bobby Wagner to death, but I think the torch has been passed. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Absolutely it's been passed. Fred Warner's another one, too. I was just thinking about that. Yeah, he doesn't get talked up enough, which is funny because he's – I mean, he, is, he wasn't an immediate successor to Patrick Willis or Navarro Bowman. But since coming over to San Francisco, you can make the argument he might be the best coverage linebacker in the NFL because, I mean, you can recall back to 2019, he takes Marquise Brown one-on-one – and he shut it down to that fourth down play. Straight up. Doing that. Straight like, up. Like, we can say all we want about old Marquise, but that being said, a, a linebacker on any kind of receiver should be a mismatch for the linebacker in coverage. And he held it down. So you got to give him his respect. And the Niners don't get talked up enough because they got destroyed with injuries. Yeah, they got decimated more than anybody. Them and the Cowboys, it's close between who got made the most. But I'm going to say, you know, I'm, I'm – I think the Colts can totally beat them. Um, Bills are like – Bills going into the playoffs are what the media made the Ravens last year. So, I mean, I'm taking it for what it is. But the Bills' defense doesn't scare me whatsoever. Their offense is good, but they have zero running game. So, when you when they're one-dimensional, yeah, Josh Allen is, is 
whatever they're making him out to be. He's a good quarterback, but he's not he's not elite level like they're making him to be right now. Could he be? Yeah, probably. But I just think he's a we're a product of the moment. And Stephon Diggs has completely changed that entire team. And I wish we could have him. But so <laughs> another side note. But you know, I, I think that you know Cole Beasley's had a great year. I'm a big fan of Gabriel Davis. Um, I think he is a matchup nightmare for anybody. But I, I just man, the, the Colts are just so well coached, and like like you said, their their front seven is just so dominant. They can control a game when you're not running the ball. You can spread it out a little bit more, and you know you can go dime coverage, nickels, you know all that stuff. You can stay in that, and you can run you know man under and you know two over top or whatever you want to do. Really. Because Darius, between Darius Leonard, I mean, he's going to spy their running backs. The running backs aren't going to be able to be a problem. And the, the way that the front four rush up and contain the edges and with their length, I just think that Josh Allen's going to have to have the game of his life to win that game. And people are already to the Bills, but I don't think that it, it's going to be that way at all. And outside of, I mean, we talked a little bit about before, but I think Phil Rivers is the only thing holding that team back. And Jonathan Taylor has been a freak on a mission. So the Bills, are they going to be able to stop him? I'm, I'm not sure. Ed Oliver's been a beast lately, but, you know, Jonathan Taylor is playing out of his mind. And then you throw in Naheem Hines and, you know, Michael Pittman's coming around. You know, T.Y. Hilton's healthy now. He's he's a formidable, you know, veteran option. Like, you know, Mo Ali Cox, Joe Doyle. I mean, he's, they got weapons. The only problem is, is Phil Rivers. When he throws the ball, it's like when you like hold a basketball under a pool and you let it go and it comes out of the pool a little bit with a lot of water splash and you're like, well, that's exciting, but it's not very powerful. That's what it's like when Philip Rivers throws a pass past 15 yards now. Oh, without a doubt. And that's you hit the nail on the head because Phil Rivers is the one thing that could hold the Colts back from from doing anything this year because he's such a turnover machine at time at the worst possible times. And keep in mind with Buffalo, they have if I'm not mistaken, the fourth most takeaways in the NFL this year. They've they've figured out how to take the ball away from t- correction. They're tied for third. So if anything, they need to be on high. Like Rivers needs to be on high alert to take care of the ball because otherwise they'll be in for a long day and they'll have to abandon the running game. To that point, they give up 4.6 yards per carry. So Jonathan Taylor could very easily have his way with that front seven. What do you have? Two fifty the other day or two thirty? 253 against the lowly Jaguars of Duval County. He's been, he and J.K. Dobbins look like the two best backs out of this, this 2020 draft class for running backs. They've been exceptional and they're in excellent situations. Boy, you should see the smile on my face right now. Diehard Chiefs fan. And we argued before the season because I was like, J.K.'s the best back in this draft. C.H. has nothing on him. I'm like, it's not even going to be close. I mean, Dobbins has only started for basically like, what, three, four weeks. And he's already at, what, 75% of the yardage, of, if not more, of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So it's like, dude, it's it, – it, and, and the dude's got – imagine if J.K. Dobbins had Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid in that offense. It's like, goodness. So that whole argument shut down. J.K. is the man. Jonathan Taylor is a stud, though. He was, uh, he was one of the guys – Man, back scare me because there's so much usage on them. I mean, they all like, if you're a Wisconsin running back and 20 carries a season, then you're just not cool. So, like, you know, those dudes come in like Benjamin Button, like aging backwards. And I, I just, I don't know, man, this, this is an exciting class. Cam Akers, he hasn't really, you know, what it is, but 
I think this rookie running back class is going to be something else. Next year's is going to be too. Without a doubt, they've yeah. You're not you're not you're not wrong at all about Buffalo and their lack of a running game. Their offense has entirely been the Josh Allen's to Stephon Diggs show because he opens up everything else. The rest of their receiving core, which aren't bad, but they're not Stephon Diggs, who's playing at a top, he's playing at a top five, top one level at this point. He's been damn near uncoverable, so they're not unbeatable. If you take him away, I really want to see what Allen does having to go through other go through other receivers and hoping they get open because I mean he didn't look this way last year without having that elite number one wide wide receiver and that's not to knock him because that dude has a cannon and I love those kind of quarterbacks because January comes around games on the line you need to make a tight throw down the field that only you can make they did they do it and they get it done that was the advantage we had for a long time with Joe Flacco well, that's so, why I like Josh Allen because he, he's like he's got that arm strength, but it's not just having the arm strength; it's not being afraid to make the throw. And that dude is not afraid of anything. He'll throw into a one foot window just to, just to be like you ain't you might it might not complete it, but you're not gonna catch it. So like you know we'll sacrifice an incompletion or maybe a catch because I'm gonna hum this thing in. So I mean that's one thing I give him is like. I like him. I like his game. Um, I just don't think he, you know, he's he's what everybody's kind of making him out to be right now. But I think he's on the way. Um, there's a lot of quarterbacks that I feel that way about, though. But you know, to, nor here nor there. Without a doubt, I, I will give him his due. He's playing at an elite level right now. I mean, if you're gonna rank the top five quarterbacks just as of this year, you can't leave him off that list. No, no chance. No chance. Like, he's if it wasn't for Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. You could make a very good argument that he's the MVP of the league because he's been spectacular. But yeah, something else of note for that Bills defense over the past six games from the game against the Chargers to last week, their defense is averaging only giving up about 15 points a game. So that's nothing to sleep on either. Earlier in the year, they were they were straight up trash. But I mean, since Matt Milano got back, they've been playing a whole lot better. And all things considered, Absolutely, the Colts can get it done, but I'm not going to pick them because Buffalo is very difficult to beat up. So for my money, I'd be taking the Bills. That's just me. Yeah, Dome team up north is not ever really a good combination. But I'm feeling froggy, so I'm I'm taking the Colts and the Shocker. I like it, and I like that we've been contrasting today. And I'm we not really going to We usually don't. No, nah, not we really. Like right on par. But you know, I kind of like contrasting. This the con- <laughs> it's feeding the contrarian in me. So you know, I'm with it. I'm always you know, down. You know, we gotta hit at least one NFC. So you're what, right. What NFC game are you looking the most forward to? You pick it. We'll talk it. You know what? Let's do it. Let's talk Bucks at Washington. The football team. Name redacted. The football. It's possible, team. dude. It's possible. I'm telling you, it's possible. But. Man, it's just like the Bucks are the ultimate Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde like team this year. And and it's crazy to say, but just like Rivers maybe being the one that holds the Colts back, Tom Brady could be the one that holds the Bucks back. And like, I mean, you can the weapons they have aren't really fair. Their offensive line's been pr- playing pretty well, but when you look at the Redskins, you're looking at a team that's really playing with still the same I mean, it is you have something to lose cuz it's winter go home. But they're playing like they have nothing to lose. And your two biggest leaders on your team 
are first and second year players, and they both are from Ohio State. You have Terry McLaurin and Chase Young are the two that are stepping up for that team right now, which I think is awesome for them because the leadership that shows is cool. It's also kind of concerning if you have vets and stuff on the team and they're not really taking that initiative to to really make a statement on that. But I'm going to take the Bucks just because, I mean, I just I, they're, they're tough right now. But I would not be surprised at all if Washington – the world because they it, it's it's gonna come down to the redskins all redskins look here here i go don't don't you know crucify me on twitter for that but the washington football team um i just think that it, their offense is the nightmare man i just don't think they can compete like they're sitting here trying to run you know a sprint against usain bolt and I'm the one running. So, like, you know, it's not happening. And I just think that that's going to be a problem is the offensive standpoint. You know, what is Gibson going to play? Is he healthy? What's going on with him? I mean, that's an important part of their their offense. But they just don't really have much. And I think that the the Bucks defense is enough to be able to maybe to, to slow down uh, McLaurin. But watch out for Logan Thomas, too. You're not wrong about that. He's been coming on this. He's been coming on this year. The former college quarterback turned tight end, Logan Thomas. And I really want to pick Washington, but I'm not going to. I gotta. I gotta roll with the Bucks. Like watching what I watched from that debacle that was the Week 17 Washington at Philadelphia game. I don't know how you can have any kind of confidence in an offense. It was horrible. Don't get me started on that. We might have to hit that after this. You know what? Doug Peterson can suck ass. Yes, he can. That was straight up trash of him. I talked about this with just random people, just said whether it's work, whether it's through text messaging or whatever. But if Washington had a better quarterback and they had a slightly better offense, they'd be a damn good team because you got five first round picks along that D line. Kerrigan's the elder statesman, but still Chase Young, Montez Sweat. Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen as a physical, physical group, and they can wreck games. Like they can at least rival the Eagles for the best defensive line in the NFL. They're they are legit. They are skit like they're legit. They are scary. And Chase Young coming out of college, he might only have six and a half sacks this year, but you know, teams have already had to double team him and had to game plan towards stopping him so he doesn't wreck the wreck their game plans. As you can see. Just looking up stats, Montez Sweat's the one who leads the league in sacks because of all the attention they pay to Chase Young and Jonathan Allen. Well, Chase Young, too, he's always around the ball. I've noticed that about him. He's always around the ball, and he's in his effort, man. That dude's motor. He doesn't stop, and I love that about him. It is like the fact that he's just he's he's all gas, no brakes, nonstop, and, and man, he, he's fun to watch for sure. Without a doubt. So with all that being said, I'd say that's going to do it for this latest installment of the Zone 32 podcast. We'll be back soon enough to recap recap the playoffs that are happening in this coming weekend. So without further ado, I'm going to hit y'all with a... See ya! Grant, Jake. Zone 32. Only on NeutralZoneInfraction.com. NZI Properties.